This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. Forget dark alleys and cemeteries. For some, the gym is the scariest place of all. But it doesn't have to be. With a personalized plan and expert coaching, Anytime Fitness can help make the gym less frightening. Get more for your gym membership than machines. Get personalized support anytime, anywhere. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, and restrictions apply. See website for details. Today is Tuesday, December 31st, 2019. On this day in 1964, 27-year-old Peter Egan, his 24-year-old wife, Barbara Egan, and his 19-year-old brother, Gerald Egan, were murdered at a rest stop. Each family member was shot twice in the head in what was described by investigators as a gangland revenge killing. Welcome to Today in True Crime, a ParCast original. Due to the graphic nature of today's crimes, listener discretion is advised. Extreme caution is advised for listeners under 13. Today we're covering the Jefferson County murders of Peter, Barbara, and Gerald Egan, a family of frequent burglars and criminals operating in Watertown, New York. It began along Route 81 in the twilight hours of New Year's Eve, 1964. It was a clear, cold winter evening in northern New York without so much as a hint of snowfall. Bill and Beverly Jay were traveling along Route 81 on their way to a New Year's party in Norwood. Around 9 p.m., Bill decided he could not wait to use the restroom at their final destination and pulled off the highway to a rest area. As he hurried across the parking lot, Bill's eyes fell on a blue 1955 Mercury station wagon, the only other vehicle in the parking lot. He could just make out the shape of someone lying motionless in the snow beside the back door. Moving closer, he found a young woman in her 20s with blood pooling from her head. A faint, high-pitched barking snapped Bill's attention from the body to the station wagon. Moving closer to peer through the fogged windows, Bill spotted the tiny Pekingese hopping around in the back seat, its long hair matted with dark blood. Two male figures sat in the front seats their heads slumped and motionless. Across Jefferson County, New Year's parties were interrupted as state troopers put down their holiday punch to race to the crime scene. Lieutenant Thomas E. Nulty quickly arrived at the rest stop to manage proceedings. Opening the door to the car, he found that the older of the male victims wore a wooden prosthetic in place of his left leg the other was barely more than a teenager. There would be no need to bring in witnesses to identify the bodies. Lieutenant Nulty and the other officers knew them on sight. The woman lying lifeless in the snow was 24-year-old Barbara Ann Egan, the owner of the Pekingese, who was named Queenie. The amputee was her 27-year-old husband, Peter Egan, and the driver was Peter's 19-year-old brother, Gerald. 
All three had a long history of arrests in Watertown and were known to the police as petty thieves and criminals. As Dr. William Hall of the Jefferson County Coroner's Office arrived to examine the bodies, a clear picture of the murders began to take shape. Each of the Egans had been shot twice in the head. Barbara had scratches on her wrists and arms. She had tried to run from the vehicle and had been wrestled to the ground before being executed. Based on the bullet holes in the car's windshield, it appeared that Peter and Gerald had been shot from behind and apparently taken by surprise. Their killer, or more likely killers based on the variety of bullets used, had been backseat passengers. Most likely, the Egans had known their killers. From questioning members of the Egans' small circle of friends, the police learned that Peter, at least, had had some forewarning of his demise. Just hours before their deaths, Peter had been heard saying, might as well have a good time because tonight might be my last night. The Egan's friends also pointed investigators towards a short list of suspects. Amongst them were Willard Belcher, a 49-year-old local and rumored low-level mobster, and his wife, Bertha, a 67-year-old sex worker who catered to an older clientele. Most surprising of all, however, was the name at the top of the list. Joseph Leon was a popular figure in the Watertown community. The son of a local prize fighter, he worked as a driver for Wonder Bread and was known for saving boxes of free donuts for children along his route. He was also a longtime friend of Peter Egan. The two men had spent their childhoods living next door to one another. But if rumors were to be believed, a recent event had put a strain on the old friendship. Watertown resident James Pickett told police that a few weeks before the murder, Joe Leone stated he would have to kill Peter Egan to keep him quiet and keep us all from going to jail, and that Egan knows enough to put us all away for several years. While this may have been true, Leon may also have had a more personal motive for killing his childhood friend. On December 20th, 1964, his father's home was burglarized. $760 in cash were taken, along with a valuable family heirloom ring. Joe Leone reportedly believed that the Egan brothers were responsible. And as far as the police were concerned, he was right. Whether motivated by family pride or a mercenary desire to stay out of prison, Joe Leone's decision was made. Childhood friends or not, the Egans had to go. Coming up, we'll learn more about the final hours of the Egan family members and the mark their death left on Jefferson County. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. Forget dark alleys and cemeteries. For some, the gym is the scariest place of all. But it doesn't have to be. 
With a personalized plan and expert coaching, Anytime Fitness can help make the gym less frightening. Get more for your gym membership than machines. Get personalized support anytime, anywhere. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, and restrictions apply. See website for details. Now, back to the story. On December 31st, 1964, Peter Egan, his wife Barbara Ann, and his brother Gerald were gunned down at a rest stop north of New York's Jefferson County. The three family members were known thieves in the community and reportedly had met their end for burgling the wrong person. The violent holiday killing had a profound effect on Watertown and the rest of Jefferson County. The grisly crime scene details made their way through the community, sparking fears that anyone might be next. Bill and Beverly Jay, the couple who had found the body, were convinced that the killers might come after them since they'd contacted the police. The reality was just the opposite. In the coming months, it became clear that the Egans had been more prolific criminals than anyone had thought. Burglaries in Watertown dropped from around 400 in 1964 to 175 the next year. The Watertown Times described the seismic shift in its editorial column. It is regrettable that it took a triple slaying to bring a solution to the numerous burglaries that had puzzled the authorities for months. The victims in the murder mystery had long been under surveillance by the police and county authorities, but they worked cleverly and shrewdly in carrying out their criminal activities. One beneficial result of the Egan murders is the abrupt end to the numerous burglaries which have been a thorn in the side of the authorities for months. The Egans had become expert in carrying out their program successfully until they came up against the wrong person or persons, suspected by the authorities of being identified with small-time rackets. Jefferson County investigators were convinced that these wrong persons were three of the Egan's criminal associates, Joseph Leone and Willard and Bertha Belcher. But despite rampant rumors that they were responsible, solid evidence against the trio was relatively slim. Based on the trio's histories, the New York State Police acquired a warrant to bug the Belcher's home. Hoping to overhear a damning confession, they spent countless man-hours listening to conversations between Bertha Belcher and her elderly clientele. Meanwhile, other officers staked out cells in the county jail in the hopes of overhearing more rumors that might implicate Leon and the Belchers. The trio were finally arrested in March of 1968, over three years after the Egan murders were committed. Ultimately, the state determined that it only had enough evidence to bring a case against Leon. Proceedings finally began on January 5, 1970. Joseph Leone was now 38 years old. If convicted, he faced the death penalty. The prosecution's star witness was James Pickett, yet another criminal associate of the Egan's, who claimed to have knowledge of the final hours of the family members' lives. According to Pickett, 
Joseph Leone told Peter Egan that he knew about a truck that would be carrying $16,000 worth of liquor up Interstate 81 on New Year's Eve. They would hold up and commandeer the truck, drive away with the liquor, and split the money between them. Of course, there was no truck. On New Year's Eve, the Egans drove Joe Leone and Willard Belcher out to the rest stop where the heist was supposed to take place. Leone and Belcher shot the two Egan brothers from behind, then chased Barbara Egan from the car so they could hold her down and shoot her as well. But while James Pickett's account had convinced the state police, the jury was another matter. The recordings from bugging the Belcher's home were not admitted into evidence, and the defense argued that without physical evidence to link Leone to the crime scene, the state's case rested entirely on rumors and the word of Pickett, a criminal who would have told police whatever they wanted to hear in exchange for special treatment. Whether or not they needed it, the defense appears to have received some outside help. On the final evening of the trial, four jury members received anonymous phone calls stating, if Joe Leone is found guilty, you are dead. The next day, the jury deliberated for just under two hours before delivering a verdict of not guilty on all three counts of murder. Joe Leone walked free. In 1985, the New York State Police stated that despite Leone's acquittal, the Egan family murders were considered solved. Thanks for listening to Today in True Crime. I'm Vanessa Richardson. For more information on the murders of Peter, Barbara, and Gerald Egan, amongst the many sources we used, we found the Jefferson County Egan Murders, Nightmare on New Year's Eve 1964 by Dave Champagne and Daniel T. Boyer, extremely helpful to our research. Today in True Crime is a ParCast original. You can find more episodes of Today in True Crime and all other ParCast originals for free on Spotify. Not only does Spotify already have all of your favorite music, but now Spotify is making it easy for you to enjoy all of your favorite ParCast originals, like Today in True Crime, for free from your phone, desktop, or smart speaker. To stream Today in True Crime on Spotify, just open the app and type Today in True Crime in the search bar. At ParCast, we're grateful for you, our listeners. You allow us to do what we love. Let us know how we're doing. Reach out on Facebook and Instagram at ParCast and Twitter at Parcast Network. We'll be back with a brand new episode tomorrow in True Crime. Today in True Crime was created by Max Cutler, is a production of Cutler Media, and is part of the Parcast Network. It is produced by Max and Ron Cutler, sound designed by Andy Waits, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro, Carly Madden, and Travis Clark. This episode of Today in True Crime was written by Andrew Kelleher with writing assistance by Maggie Admire. I'm Vanessa Richardson.